everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. Ha! I was just clearing my throat. That was my intro slash throat clearing. Did you like it, James? It was great. Did it work for you? Yeah, I feel like my throat's even clearer. How- I cleared my throat so well, I even cleared James's yeah. throat. Welcome to the <laughs> I uh, I aspirated some of my uh, my water. Oh no, my water with flavor in it. What what kind of flavor is that? It's kind of a this, yellow uh, flavor. Today we're going with a little peach mango. Doesn't Ooh. look like peach mango. Yeah. Well, well, I know it's at the bottom. <laughs> it's peach mango with apparently a little bit of chutney in it. We'll take your word for it. I don't know. I don't know if they have a peach mango chutney, but they do now. Hey, welcome to the show, folks. We've got a great uh, show for you today. Now, here's the deal. Have you ever wondered if you are going to survive your child's adolescence? I ask that every day. Today, it's it's not a good day to probably do today's show. It probably is a good day, but it wasn't a good day for me because all my children started school today. Today was the day. Today was the official day. Yesterday was a pre-day where they take those that are like going to high school for the first time and they oh they orientation. Go, yeah, yeah, they show them where to hide. Uh, how to avoid being beat up, which garbage cans you don't want to be thrown in, things like that. Typical lockers that they'll be put into. Yeah. How to, how to survive being stuffed in a locker. Yep. How to still breathe, stuff like that. But here is the funny thing. Today they all went to school and it was a hard morning because everyone was up at like six. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I'm, I just want to brag because my kids were looking hot. Oh, that's good. I've got all these Back kids to now. It matters. Woo-hoo. Now their their looks matter. See, before it didn't matter. Now it matters. Because now they're playing for keeps. Did you get ready before your kids or after your kids? I got ready after. Oh, cold water. It's hard to compete. It's hard to compete with yeah. a bunch of prepubescent boys. Yeah, I'm first How many are in high school now? We have one, two high schoolers, one middle school, one elementary. I've got and then all I have the one bases. in college. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow. I like to spread them out. <laughs> That's how we planned it, is we wanted to spread it out so we could have joy from here to eternity. <laughs> That's how we work it here on the show. So today's show, we're talking about surviving your child's adolescence because it could be hard. I mean, th- these kids want to be independent, and yet they don't necessarily have the wherewithal to do so. So we're going to be talking with Dr. Car- Carl Pickert today. He's going to be teaching us uh, all about raising your children, what you can expect from your teenagers, kind of sometimes the battle for independence that they go through. A little bit later, uh, Aaron's going to walk us through, you know, when he got married and independence and, and how, you know, you need to be strong enough to be independent when you get married. Heather Johnson, a little bit later, a BYU professor is going to be joining us. She's going to just keep the conversation going about parenting our teens. And then we're going to play a game at the very end of the show. Would you rather, which is, play, I, I play a game, that game with my children. Would you rather... Uh, die and do the dishes every night or live and um, never have anything good happen to you in life. That's that, pretty hard. Tough yeah, that's one. a tough decision. I, I don't know. I know. I know. See, that's. that's her. Thing, oh, is that her thing? Oops. 
I just stole Alyssa's pitch. Matt, do you mean that you die and you go to heaven and do dishes for the rest of eternity? Is that what I was getting from yes, that? Yes, that's oh, exactly. That's a great option. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that's called heaven, Aaron. Yeah, no. I don't know if that's heaven. For you, that may not be heaven. Let's just be real. <laughs> is, like is there a third dishes. option? There's, yeah. no, no. There's no third option. I create my own options. Whoa. That was my inner Batman. Well, your your <laughs> inner your inner Batman came out. Yeah. Well, when it's it's when I'm faced with the possibility of having to do dishes for eternity, yeah. Batman just comes right out. No, thank you. Your inner Batman is now an Audi. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Technically, yeah. Your innie's an Audi. So here's the deal. We always like to at the beginning of the show go through the headlines, and uh, we've picked the best for today. Headliners from The Matt Townsend Show, a summary of stories that you might have missed. Michael Pond is joining us. Michael has been uh, feverishly searching through the headlines today and has found three doozies for us. Still a little sweaty if you've been paying attention to the news. Is that what that is? crazy stuff going on with the Michael Brown case in Iraq and everything, but... Back here at home in the United States, if you've been paying attention, a Texas boy, 14 years old, lived in Walmart for almost five days, four (laughs) days in Walmart before he was discovered. He made a makeshift home in between some aisles. Yeah. And people of Walmart. Yeah. Watch out. (laughs) You know, wow. That's actually pretty amazing. But that's probably not a news story Walmart wants out. No, no, it's not. And this kid changed his clothes so people yeah. wouldn't discover him, notice him. He wore diapers so he wouldn't have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. See, James, you're not the him. first one to try that. No, it works. It works. Yeah. He lived off food in the store. But haven't you ever, like, I've thought of doing that. I've thought of, like. But, but did you really give it serious enough thought that you were, like, oh, in the parking lot, in your car, okay, should I go inside and do this? Should I? No. No, yeah. But if I, w- I would do it at Walmart. If I was going to do it, I would go to Walmart. Because <laughs> you could live there for years. Everything's in one place. No one would even know. Yeah. You wouldn't have to shave. <laughs> you wouldn't have to do anything. Well, and the fact that they didn't even find him, they wouldn't have found him if it weren't for the trash trail leading back to where, he, See, where he was living. But, but Which tells you that cleanliness is pretty important if you want to get away with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, have to, you have to stay clean. Because otherwise they'll sniff you out or they'll just see the garbage trail. What, what really surprises me is this happened on my birthday. Okay. And, but the parents didn't even – the parents, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, he does this all the time. Was he, was he at the Walmart? <laughs> Last week it was Target. Yeah. Oh, Tarzay. Isn't that why, – why does it matter it was on your birthday? Oh, I just like, wanted to throw that in there. Oh, you, know. you, you just you, – Happy yeah, birthday, did, Mike. Yeah, thank you. You're Thanks so a welcome. lot. Yeah, I appreciate uh, it. Yeah, because we celebrated it, but you weren't here. Yeah. It was a great party. You guys remember it that party? It was fantastic. We had ice cream. Uh-huh. I was here. Yeah. Remember? Do you remember balloons? No, no, you weren't at the party. You, yeah. were, you were here, we but you were not at the party. We had a party for you, but you, we didn't invite you to the party. Cake pops. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. It was I'm, a great party, I'm glad though. you guys remembered me. Yeah. It was all things Walmart, by the way. That was the theme. Yeah. And we had little smiley faces. Yep. The deals faces. And we watched the movie Where the Heart Is with <laughs> Natalie Portman. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. That yeah. was a great. She was, she was abandoned by her yeah. boyfriend in Walmart, and she was pregnant. Yeah. Good, good times. Had by all. And, and just remembering, like, this is Mike's favorite film, too. Like, yeah. It was, it was just a great It's moment. in my top, like, 400 favorite movies. Yeah. No, at, right, but right after 27 Dresses. 
Yeah, I mean that one's probably ah, yeah, probably three hundred ninety fourth or something like that. Really, in your top four hundred, that's saying something. Yeah, that's, that's pretty sad. Do you have another headline for us? Yeah, we only got one minute, but what you got? Throw me, throw me one. So, a survey that was done by the Princeton Survey Research Associates International found, and this is recent. It was. was just a few days ago, yeah. that 57% of Americans say only kids who win should get trophies. And the rest, 3% are undecided, but the rest, <laughs> about 40%, say all the kids should get trophies. Uh, we're talking about sporting events yeah. and other things, competitions, hmm. spelling bees, whatever. Well, But we're all winners. Yeah. Huh. What, do, what do you think about well, that? Well, that means 43, well, 40% or so believe everyone should get a trophy. Yeah. Well... Uh, they know that that's not how life works. No, no. But it's funny because they also did, along with this survey, I don't want to get too political, but this follows really closely uh, political beliefs. Oh, by, really? By like the, yeah. conservative versus liberal. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Huh. Well, I mean, I think to a certain age, everyone should get a trophy. Well, what's and that then, age? Uh, six. Six? You know, I think that's good. And from six on, <laughs> you got to earn it. Yeah. You know, right? it's... It, we got to help our kids complicate their lives, learn yeah. what real life is. But see, you can – everyone – like in my kids' league, everyone gets a fake junkie like memento. I don't know what we call it. Memento? Like a little medal or something? Hey, attaboy. Like an attaboy medal. Hey, good job. But then the real win, <laughs> the winners that win the division or whatever get a real big trophy. A that, mega trophy. Yeah, that really – that you'll keep the rest of your life. I mean, When I was seven. I still have my trophies on my nightstand. I got this gigantic trophy yeah. <laughs> for when I was eight. You should have seen me kick the goal, babe. Wow. Incredible. I still have my trophy from when I was 10, and I won the freckle contest at the county fair. What exactly does a freckle trophy look like? It's just a trophy. It's just got a, it's just like a, a big, lady on the top. It's like a it's big not... freckle. <laughs> it's just a big pancake. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Well, there you have it. There's the headlines. What else do you need to know? Good job, Mike. You, Thank we, you. Thank we you. could have done about 20 yeah. more. There, there's a lot of other stuff going on. But kids, you know, they're not as messed up as we think. No, we're doing pretty good. But I mean, we can do a lot better. And apparently they can live on their own. Just call Walmart. <laughs> It'll work out. We're going to take a break, folks, and continue uh, this discussion about surviving your child's adolescence. We're, we're going to come back with Dr. Carl Picard, who actually wrote an article on it on Psychology Today. And we're going to dive into this. Creating independent children, independent teens. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today uh, is the day. If you've ever, you know, tried to raise a teenager and you could not figure out how to not kill them through the process, today is the day. Because you don't want to kill them, you know. You've got them this far. You may as well take them to the take them to the end zone. The problem with it is these kids are battling all of these things. They're they're trying to be independent. They're trying to, you know, show that they're their own person. Developmentally, they're going through different stages. They want to be free from you, but they still need your checkbook, along with a bunch of other stuff. So on the show, we wanted to, to bring in an expert, somebody that could help us walk through this process 
of, of you know, raising a child and getting them to be independent and then getting them on their own feet so they'll, they'll be able to, to, to go on, to, to launch. We don't want a failure to launch. That's actually going on with a lot of people. In fact, a lot of them even in this studio. Just to shoot straight with you. Uh, that's why we're doing the show today. Right, James? Yeah, yeah. Okay, just want to make sure you're with us. I am. Uh, today's guest is Dr. Carl Pickard. And Dr. Pickard is uh, he's an, an author. He's done pretty much everything you can imagine, okay? He's married. He's got four children, one grandchild. He's a psychologist in private counseling and public lecturing practice in Austin, Texas. He's the author of 15 parenting books, as well as uh, books of illustrated psychology, and those are for adults, and he does children's fiction as well. He, um, he has a bachelor's and a master's degree from Harvard University, a Ph.D. from the University of Texas at Austin. And where I found out about him is he's the author of the blog Surviving Your Child's Adolescence, which is on Psychology Today website, uh, which is a great resource for, you know, anything adolescent you need to worry about. All of the different tools, ideas for raising a healthy teenager uh, is on there. So, Dr. Picard, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, it's good to be back with you, man. You bet. It's so good to have you again. I think, honestly, teens, they test us in a way, and we don't always, we don't want to make it sound like we don't love them. We do, but man, they... They take us to a whole other level of parenting. Well, I mean, partly, remember now that, you know, childhood goes up to about ages eight or nine. Yeah. And that's that's the kind of the easy part of parenting. That's attachment parenting, and yeah. it's very, very important. You want your kid to be securely attached to you and feel like they can depend on you uh, and, you know, rely on you being there. And that basic trust gives them the foundation they can push off on. But once you hit adolescence around 9 to 13, you move to detachment parenting. Because they need to, you need to let them go. Well, they need to let you go, and you need to let them go. And letting go is much harder than holding on, which is what you do in attachment parenting. Yeah, you know what, in fact, Carl, listen to this song. Have you ever heard this song before? Go ahead. There it goes. What is that? We, you, that's called "Let It Go." That's from Frozen. That's the most popular oh, really? song with these teeny boppers today. They all, the parents want to let them go, and the um, and the kids want to be let go. But you're well, saying at, at an go. age we I do mean, that. You know, it's like they. I mean, I think there's always the double message. You know, let me go, but be there if I need you. No, exactly. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And uh, you know what parents are trying to weigh is they're on the letting go side. What they're trying to do is they're trying to make a judgment about the level of the kid's operating self-management responsibility. Right. And is it sufficient so that they can risk the next degree of letting go or freedom that the kid wants? So what, what would be... Uh, and what's so the st- that's, that's what parents are always, always going back and forth on. What, what's the stage then? So that's kind of the detachment stages up to about 13, 14. What, what's the stage after that? Well, all of adolescence is about detachment, because detachment has to do with, you you can't grow to independence, uh, which is the developmental goal of adolescence, uh, unless there is detachment on both sides. Okay. 
So the de- detachment is an unfolding process. Yeah. And it, it takes many, many different forms. And what the parent, I mean, the, the, particularly in detachment parenting, the job of parents is to teach the kid sufficient self-management responsibility experience and skills and knowledge so that by the time they leave the parent's care for, the say, the last stage of adolescence, 18 to 23 trial independence, they will have enough self-support and self-reliance that they can depend on to have a fighting chance to mm. be able to make it independently on their own. You know, it's funny because... We don't always think of it that way. I mean, it seems like this is developmentally what they need. They need you to let them go enough to learn, but we also have to make sure that they're not just – that they're getting the skills. They need to be self-sustaining, self-supporting kids. And so it's it's funny. We just see them as a kid, a teenager, pushing the envelope – and yet, really, well, they're they're going yeah, through a I, process. Yeah, the, you know what what parents are, are always they're always trying to, <clears throat> you know, make that assessment about where can they transfer responsibility, so the kid can learn to take that on their own. Where can they convey support, sufficient information that the kid has that to make good decisions for themselves? Yeah, um, and that's why detachment parenting sounds like letting go is a passive process. Letting go is a very, very active process mm-hmm. because what you're doing is you are making decisions about <clears throat> what kinds of experience, what kinds of information, what kinds of responsibility, what kinds of skills is my kid, does my kid need to develop, and how can I help the kid do that? Yeah. I mean, that's why in high school, which is, the, which is usually the the third stage of adolescence, which is uh, 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 late adolescence, I think the error that I tend to see parents make is they get so preoccupied with issues about grades and issues yeah. about social risk-taking from acting older, all of which are important concerns, is that they forget essentially the 4850 issue. And the 4850 issue is that they've got, when the kid enters high school, <clears throat> they have 48 short months Mm. to give this kid enough skill, experience, yeah. responsibility so that they have a chance to step off on their own and be able to handle it. And, of course, the 50% figure, 50 figure is the reality. is that Should the kid go to college, parents have to remember that, you know, the average retention rate across the country is about 50%. 50% of those so, that go to college retain or stay in college. Yeah. Yeah, the, wow. You know, retention is calculated differently sometimes as, the number of freshmen that return sophomore year. Sometimes it's the number of kids that uh, wow. that uh, that uh, graduate in four years or five years. Uh, but most, but I mean, obviously, parents when parents if parents are going to send their kid off to college, you know, they want to make sure that they, you know, they find out what the retention yeah. rate is, whatever the colleges they're sending the kid off to. Well, this is actually it's a great point, and this is perfect timing because again, today we sent all of our kids off to school. Back to school time, and as I sit here and think, I have with with one of them, I have twelve months left before he's out and about, and and then the others got forty eight months, and I think, holy cow, I got to right, get on this. Right, right. Yeah. Are there signs? I mean, really, high school is the time for you to, you know, you just want to straight talk with your kid. You're not trying to scare them. Right, right. You know, you're not you're not certainly not criticizing. You're saying, look, you know. 
when you leave here, let's talk about the skills, the knowledge, and experiences that you need, and then let's back it up over these four years and say, when during these four years are we going to have it so that you start learning these things so you have them under your belt when you leave? Yep. Well, that's... Uh, and that, and that, that's just, you know, I mean, it, it's not, this is not, I don't know, psychologically sophisticated, it's just no. kind of practical. Well, yeah. Be, be, I mean, we would do the same thing if we, when we send them to college, they figure out what they want to do, and then we build a plan to get the degree done. And I mean, it's the same thing. How do you know when the child is ready for this independence, or do you kind of thrust it upon them? Well, what you're looking for is the kid is asking for two things. One is that they're asking for freedom. And the other is they're asking for responsibility. Freedom is just the is just asking room for more experience. Yeah. Responsibility is essentially wanting to say, I want more choices and I want to be able to be responsible for dealing with the consequences of those choices. So one is just kind of latitude, I guess yeah, just space you're saying, freedom to have right. choices. And the other is they really want to own the outcomes. Absolutely, yeah. When you, yeah, you go, when you go from childhood, which is essentially the age of command, when the child actually believes that you can make them and st- or stop them, yeah, and they have that illusion in their head. <laughs> that, by the way, it's a great and, time. Uh, when they hit adolescence, they know yeah. that you can't make them and you can't stop them. Ugh. And on the one hand, that's very liberating, and on the other hand, it's terrifying. Because now they know that they have more freedom available to them than is good for them. Yeah. So that's why when you detach, it doesn't mean you lift the structure off them. Quite the contrary. You are trying to keep a, a healthy, clear structure yeah. of safe and responsible behavior around them so that they have the opportunity to make choices to live within that as they grow. It's beautiful. I mean, you don't want... I mean. When you deta- detaching is not abandonment. Yeah, right. You don't want them floating away. You need <laughs> them tethered you know, a little your bit. Job, yeah. Your job is to when you <clears throat> when you detach is you are then <clears throat> doing a very hard thing, which is how you're asking the question: How can I remain connected to my adolescence as that process is growing us apart, as it is meant to do? Yeah. We're talking, uh, and we and the connection has to do with how do I communicate? How do I express caring? What kinds of companionship, you know, do we have? Yeah, you know, what kind of cooperation are we? Do we have back and forth. All of those are ways that we maintain connectivity. Yep, Carl, we got to take a break while we're detaching. Yeah, I mean, to me, this is huge. So, parents, stick with us. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back more with Dr. Carl Picard after this break. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today we are talking about surviving your child's adolescence. Really, maybe even better than that, we're, we're how to magnify it, how to help your child 
learn and grow, you know, to keep them close to you, tethered, I guess, in a way, so that you they're safe to learn, but independent enough to be making progress so you can eventually let them go like a balloon. It's like a little balloon metaphor. You want to have the balloon tethered, but eventually you got to let it go. And now that they're back to school, it's almost like letting them go and they're still tethered. We've got freedom. We can have our lives back. That's the goal of the show. Today, though, we brought on an expert. Dr. Carl Pickard's joining us. He's been on the show before. He's He really understands kids. A, he's a therapist. He's been doing this for years. But he has four children of his own and one grandchild He's the author of 15 parenting books. He has a Ph.D. from the University of Texas at Austin, and he's a, he's a member of the American and the Texas Psychological Association. He also has been writing for a bunch of magazines, uh, Single Parent Magazine, Marriage and Family Living Magazine, uh, as, along with the blog, Surviving Your Child's Adolescence, on Psychology Today website. So that's a great place to go find him, or you could just go look up his name, doctor, or just look up Carl Picard. Uh, dot com and uh, there you go. Go to his website. You can get a bunch of great information about him. Dr. Picard, welcome back. Hey, it's good to be with you. Yeah, I think the uh, uh, to me the, there's a not to say that that adolescence does not cause parents concern. Yeah, but it it also is it's it's a you know it's a positive, exciting time. I think. I, I, mean, I what do you're too. Seeing is seeing your. You know, your, your young daughter grow into young womanhood and your yeah. young son grow into young manhood. Yeah. Uh, and these are, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's, it's thrilling to watch that process unfold. And it's and that, that's kind of the payback. And then, and then you also get to see those moments that they're not strong enough. Like we sent my son, he went on a mission for our church to uh, Mexico. And, you know, I realized, oh, I guess we should have taught him to wash his own clothes a lot better. <laughs> Because he's he's ruining his clothes, and but I'm sitting there thinking, you know, okay, you win some, you lose some. Next kid will get that right. But part of this, like you're saying, is you need a safe space for them to learn, but you also need them to start doing stuff on their own. Um, how do we? Is there is there a problem with them being too detached from us? Well, they, they would they could be <laughs> they could be. Too detached. I don't know if it's too detached. I tell you a situation that I see sometimes, yeah. which is that parents will come in and they'll they'll come in. Maybe they'll have a oh one kid who's a sophomore and maybe one kid's a junior in high school, and they say you know we need we need help because we don't know what to do with and for our kids. And I'll say, well, why is that? And they'll say, well, these kids are so independent, they're taking care of everything, and we're doing food and shelter. Yeah. But they're essentially running their own lives. And what I try to tell them is, well, I guess you just succeeded early. Yeah. Uh, because now what you have is you have kids who have learned a huge amount of independence skills while living at home, and they are now exercising it. Wow. And in that sense, they don't need you as much as they used to. But they, see, that, that, uh, that's where the parent's going to mourn. Like, oh, but I, I well, wanted to cook I mean, him that's, dinner. That's, yeah. that's the crazy part of the whole process. You know, we, we, 
what we want is we, 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 want the, we want the kid to be able to grow to independence, and then they finally get there, <laughs> and then they start acting independently, and now all of a sudden, yeah. you know, we have been put at a distance, and we're demoted, and we don't see them as much as we used to, and it's almost like, you know, what is my reward here? Right. My reward is that now they're detached, they're independent, they're operating more on their own, you know, and all of a sudden I have less contact with them than I would ideally like. Yeah, I can totally see that. Talk about with um, it seems like social media, all of the you know the technology our kids are are learning. They might be maturing maybe faster in certain ways, but it also seems like some of their skills socially are lacking, like communication skills, conflict resolution skills. How do you go about teaching children to be more independent in their communication in their socializing? Well, what I see, I, there are certainly there are certainly a, a a small percent of kids who get so caught up with mediated communication and mediated relationships that they don't do very much face to face. But on 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 balance, what I see is these kids are growing up with a very very high degree of communication skills. They are communicating in all kinds of ways. That's it, huh? They, just not and ways so we're so uh, used to, right? Yeah, so I see it as as more, I guess, more of a positive than otherwise. Certainly there are, I mean, obviously, you know, the Internet, you, you know, you have to watch out what you say and you have to watch out what you believe. Uh, but by the same token, these kids are in high communication with each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and high volume. I mean, right. Sometimes higher volume than than depth, maybe. I mean, I think the average text message is probably, you know, six letters. Right, all the all the wonderful abbreviations. Yeah, right? <laughs> which is amazing, and, and and they're get and that's another neat thing is the open rate of text messages is very high, almost probably a hundred percent. We're picking up all of our texts, and we're getting it all communicated in a few words or uh, acronyms. Right. So, so right. you you wouldn't worry about it. I mean, I guess is um, how do you know your child is independent if they're not as communicative? With you as a parent, well, part of what happens. I mean, that's that's part of the detachment process. Is that your child tended to be more accessible and and forthcoming in communication to you than your adolescent, who is in fact detaching and pulling away and asserting, on the one hand, more privacy of their own life with you, mm-hmm. and also more intimacy within their world of family of friends, and so that now you are increasingly outside of their very important family of friends circle right. it's now taking more of their focus i think the message you know the message i think to our kids is that you know we understand you know that you will be you know <laughs> we will be having less communication than we used to but yeah. that, let me tell you and and parents have to specify that you know there are some basics that i need to know that i need to trust you will tell me you know, yeah. around, you know, for example, around personal safety and, you know, any kinds of activity going on in your life where you might be putting yourself at some kind of risk. Mm. You know, and also I need, you know, I need, you know, truthful communication from you. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, all that stuff, you know, that that needs to be in place. But it's it's hard because parents, like you say, I mean, parents are in a bind. And the bind is that as the kid 
gets more worldly experience going on, you and I as parents have a higher need to know right. at a time when that kid has a higher need not to let us know everything. Ooh, it's, yeah. Now, the price of detachment parenting for you and I as parents is much more worry and anxiety. Yeah, it seems like it's, you know, you're, you're driving your car at 75 miles an hour. You now need a lot of information quickly. <laughs> But right. the that's information, right. it's, like, it's kind of like your speedometer is not working. Certain things aren't, you're not yeah. getting the data. Does, yeah, I think sometimes, occasionally I'll see a, a, a parent will come in and they'll say, you know, I've got a 14-year-old and they just, you know, they're freezing me out. They're not telling me anything. Mm. And I have no information from this kid. You know, what can I do? And I say, well, you can do quite a lot, actually. Yeah. You know, what you can do, for example, is that you can tell the kid, that you are not in the business of pulling information out of them. What they tell you is entirely up to them. So that's not an issue. But what is at issue is what happens when they don't keep you adequately informed and accurately informed. You can say, well, one of the things that happens is that you leave me in ignorance. And when you leave me in ignorance about what's going on in your life, I don't just say I don't know and that's okay. I start wondering, is something the matter? Hmm. So now I start thinking, well, maybe you're in trouble. That's why you're not talking to me. And if, in fact, I think you're in trouble, then, you know, maybe what I need to do is I need to kind of restrict your freedom to protect you from getting hurt. Yeah. At which point, you know, the kid says, I am not in any kind of trouble. And the parent says, well, you know, how would I know? Yeah, you never talk. By the uh, way, that, that so sounds like me, a boss. Know, uh, Essentially, the message that the, you know, the parent wants to give the kids is, look, you want to you keep me adequately informed because you don't want a fearful parent on your hands. Fearful I love that. parents are no fun to live with. But what, what a great life lesson, Carl, because the same thing happens in your employment. I would love to you know, empower <laughs> you, and I'd love to give you all the freedom, but when you're not telling me what's going on, I'm going to make it up. That's so, right. That's uh, right. It's, that's, it's I mean, maturity. That's human nature. You know, when we don't... When we don't have the information we need, rather than stay in ignorance, we start imagining the worst. Yeah. And that's just how we are. So, I love it. Uh, but what a great lesson. We don't, you know, we don't, and then, when, then you know, people don't like living us with us as much when that's we're right. imagining. That's right. Well, Maturity 101. We're talking with Dr. Carl Picard from the website. Go to carlpicard.com. Again, tons of great information there. He really is an expert when it comes to parenting. 15 parenting books he's written. We're picking his brain today about maturity and how to allow your child to grow, to develop, to even detach in a healthy way from you so that they have a shot at making life work. Uh, Powerful, powerful lessons. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to get more, more skills and tools right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking with Dr. Carl Picard uh, about parenting, you know, kind of we'll call it advanced parenting. It's a level 500 parenting class uh, brought to you to the show today from Dr. Carl Picard. He himself has a Ph.D. from the University of Texas uh, at Austin. He is also a member of the American and Texas Psychological Associations. 
He's married himself, has four children, one grandchild, was going to have his wife on the show today, which would have been super fun to, to watch them talk about Parenting 101. But he's teaching us today about uh, you know detached parenting, that stage where our children are getting a little older. They're in their early teens, maybe, or uh, you know, I, I guess it's early teens, where we need to start letting them go a little bit enough, but there's still some structure for them. There's still a chance for us to have a relationship and grow and let them learn and let them start to experience the independence, but also some of the responsibility that comes from that. So, Dr. Picard, welcome back. Yeah, it's good to be with you, man. It really is. It's always fun to have you on because when you know somebody knows their stuff, then we can just pick your brain. Talk to me about this because I read the book Quiet. Have you have you read Quiet yet? No, I do not know. It's it. a real popular book right now about introversion. Okay. And... Um, you know, I guess about 40% of the population would be an introvert. And right. uh, we talked a little bit about it earlier, but sometimes it seems like with an introvert, they the way they would do their independence might keep them away from other people. So I have, I know people, I have friends who are, their kids, their teenagers are a little more introverted probably. So it's hard for their the parent to think that this child's ready to go be part of the world because well, they're so they content being have, by themselves. To make a distinction on introversion. Introversion has to do with uh, you know the degree to which you enjoy spending time with yourself within yourself, and yeah. that's kind of where your focus is. But there's a huge difference between expressive and non-expressive introverts. Yeah, there you go. You want to be able. I mean, you you do not want to graduate a young person from your care out into college or wherever, and they, you know, they are a non-expressive introvert, because a non-expressive introvert essentially spends a lot of time shutting up about what's going on. Mm -hmm. And that's, you can't make your way in the world very well doing that. You have to be able to graduate a kid who has adequate speaking up skills, where you can, in fact, declare yourself and approach people and ask for what you need and negotiate differences and so forth. Being an introvert doesn't mean that you cannot speak up for yourself, but being an introvert does sometimes favor people that are inexpressive to their costs. Hmm. And that's not a good deal. Well, and yeah, in the end, that, I mean, you have to ask for your food. You have to ask for your raise. You have to ask for the job. You have right. to be interviewed. So, so I guess it doesn't matter introvert or extrovert. What matters is do they have the skill set to express, to voice, to negotiate? Right, that's right. And that's why, for example, when your kid hits high school and they have, you know, something comes up with the coach, the assistant principal, the teacher, you know, and the kid says, hey, this happened, you know, will you talk to him? And the parent says, well, uh, actually, no, I probably won't talk to him, but I will talk with you about how you can talk to him. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Because you're trying to transfer it. I mean, what you're saying is, the reason I'm doing this is that you're going to have to negotiate your way in the world with lots of adults, and this is the time to learn how to do that. Mm. It really is. I mean, think of that. We've had we even joke about it here because the show you know originates from BYU campus. We've had I, teachers on here who talk about parents calling about their son's grades, and I'm thinking the kids in college. Why are you calling about his grades? Why are you Why are you the one coming with your, you voicing for the child? 
mean, I mean, not only that, I'm not even sure. I mean, can I, I mean, is a college allowed to no. <laughs> release a kid's grade? No, probably parents? not. No, and this was more about an assignment, actually, than a grade. My, I don't think my son could do that type of assignment. And I'm thinking, are you kidding? Your son needs to learn to voice that. And honestly, the professors are pretty nice. So he'll be fine. Oh, yeah, I mean, I began I mean, yeah, part of the part of the. I mean, detaching is you know it's a hard deal because yeah. you don't. The risk of detaching is you're going to put your kid at the risk of more freedom than they can safely handle, mm-hmm. and you don't want your kid hurt. And you're trying to figure out, well, maybe I need to you know kind of hang in there in some active way, so that you know they're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And that's a very hard part of that letting go. Uh, for parents, uh, and that's you know, and, and the, the the problem, the the strain of detachment probably gets more intense at the end. Mm-hmm. Now the kid is really moving out into adult-like activities in all kinds of ways, and adult-like responsibilities, and <clears throat> the, you know, the parent, you know, the parent, like the parent you're describing is, you know, is not misperceiving. Right. You know, the kid has to be able. You know, to be able to self-manage and self-discipline and, you know, get adequate grades, and that's an important marker of to what degree they're able to cope in this more complicated situation. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, at the same time, you know, what the, you know, what the parents have to be able to say to the kid is, you know, we're, you know, we have to turn this over to you. Well, I mean, that to me also implies we know you can handle it. Because there's the social mirror effect here where when we don't, we keep kind of inferring that they can't handle it. So let me take care of it, son. But when, well, I, keep, when I start doing the that, they can. I guess the other part of that message is it's okay not to be able to handle it. I mm-hmm. mean, all of us go through life and, you know, and we basically we proceed through life based upon mistake-based education. And we will continue to do that. Yeah. So, you know, in that sense, the adults are no different than the kids. But what we are saying is, you know, at the point at which you make a mistake, what we trust is that you will be able to confront that, understand it, and recover from that. Hmm. It's that recovery capacity that's so important. Yeah, the recovery, and and then then I guess establish that that's our goal while you're in high school is I want to help you get to that point that you know you can do it, you know how to recover, you have the recovery skills – and I mean, make it a goal that we share together, I guess, right? Make it overt. Talk about it. Our goal in the next 48 months of you going to high school is we're going to prepare you for life. And I then, think what, a lot of times what parents do is, particularly with, with, say, high school kids, is that the kid, you know, does something, makes a mistake or a misdeed and gets in trouble – and the parent immediately comes down, you know, with a control tactic. They're going to they're gonna punish the kid for what happened. Okay. And that is, you know, that may or may not be something that down the line is useful. Yeah, yeah. But right up front, the issue is, the first consequence is communication. You know, let's talk about what happened, how you choose your way into this situation, and now how are you going to choose to deal with the consequences. Mm. And I may or I may not, as your parent... You know, I have additional kind of stuff to impose, but that's really not the point right now. Right. The point right now is for you to learn how to manage yourself better based upon, you know, the choices you just made. 
Yeah. I think that's I think that's so great. I mean, I love that idea of mistake based education. And that's the real that the reality is that's how it happens anyway. Pre- pre- pretending like exactly. pretending like other- any of us have a clue is just ridiculous. Yeah, and I mean, and that's something to say to the kid. I mean, to say, to, look, you know, just don't, you know, for you to make a mistake and then feel like, you know, you're nothing but a screw-up and you've messed up again and you're the only one who messed up, let's just, let's stop the discussion right here. I want to tell you something. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you about five major mistakes that I made growing up. Oh, that's cool. And while I'm doing that, is to let you know that, you know, that's just how everybody grows. But you only really succeed in that growth if you can take responsibility for the choices. Yeah. Learn from the choices and then go forward better informed than you were before. Yeah, and I'm not going to hold it against you as long as you're learning. Let's just be learning. We, dad messed right. up. You're messing that's, up. We, it's good. What yeah, a cool right. – I bet you were a great dad, aren't you, Carl? I bet your kids love you. I, I, I think I'm an ordinary dad. I have some <laughs> – it's hard. It's hard when you know so much, though, too, because they always tease you like you're the guru. Oh, good job, uh, you guru. <laughs> well, it's 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 a great age. I mean, I mean, it really is. It's it's a wonderfully exciting age to to be a parent with. Yeah, you just see these kids unfolding in in ways that you just never imagined. Hey, we have about thirty seconds, Carl. Give us uh, the one thing. So, if you could think of one thing that we all should be remembering as we kind of guide our children through these years, um, teen years, early, late out, uh, early adolescence and teen years, what, uh, what, what's, what's, your, what's your little bit of advice? The one thing that makes the biggest difference. Don't criticize. Just let it... You, what, you do not criticize the kid for what they did or did not do. You are non-evaluative. What you do is... You disagree with the choices they have made, and you tell them why, and you tell them what you need to have happen now. You are non-evaluative. That's great. Because the evaluation gets in the way of what's understood, what's communicated, and it gets in the way of the kid learning from whatever happened. Well done, Carl. Uh, So appreciate you. We'll have you on another time. Everybody go check out uh, Dr. Carl Picard's website, carlpicard.com. More tools, more ideas after this break. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program, everybody. Man, today we got a good topic for you. We are talking about your children and how to raise independent children. Uh, Part of what we're talking about is a child that can detach from you, um, not necessarily... And Dr. Picard brought this up earlier. You don't want to let them just float away and, you know, get into trouble. You don't want them to float away and have problems. You want them skilled. You want them educated. But eventually you're going to have to send them off into the world. And when they do, you want to make sure that they have the tools to be able to handle that. And we had a caller that called in and we wanted to to talk to her. She's 
had a really interesting, I think, life experience, and she has a question for us. Christine, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you? Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you. So, first of all, you had a question. Talk to well, us Talk to us about have, what okay, your question is. So, as a mother of five, yeah. I've sent three kids off to college. Yeah. But around me, there's all these other moms, and they're like the moms Dr. Picard was talking about, the one that when I listen to them, they're calling their, their college professors and such, and I just have never done that with my kids. Like, yeah. I've, I've sent them to college. I've taught them how to do laundry. They're independent. and But then it makes me feel as a parent like, okay, am I supposed to be doing that? Yeah. Like, is is that the right way to do it? Here? Yeah. Yeah, like, maybe I'm wrong because... I'm not up in my child's business, it's, you know. But that's interesting. That's because then you feel the social pressure, like I'm not. I'm not connected enough. I'm. I. You were yeah. maybe. You feel like you're too but loose. I have these mothers that just carry on when their sons leave to serve on yeah. a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ Latter Day Saints. Yeah. And I can tell you honestly, when my 27 year old left, my feelings were. This is what I've worked hard for. This is what I've prepared mm-hmm. him for. This is what he's supposed to be going and doing on his own. And why am I not carrying on and counting <laughs> the minutes, you know, that he's leaving us? Oh, and man. so as I was, so he's 27 now, so things are a little different. When we dropped him off at the MTC at the time, you would come in a room, and they handed us this postcard, and it said, please do not send your child pizza. <laughs> please do not be... Um, happened to be walking on the sidewalks in Provo when we're out walking to another building. Please do not, you know, and I yeah. looked at my husband and I said, do people do this? Yeah. I go, Who does that? Yeah. Do people do this? And my husband looks at me and goes, well, obviously they do or they wouldn't be handing you this postcard. <laughs> no, I, I think, I think you're healthy. I really do. I think but Christine. You know, I'm thinking I wasn't. No, I know. But isn't that interesting how we compare ourselves to everyone else? You know, it's like, yes. But the funny thing is, is you may be comparing yourself to the most vocal, you know, uh, you know, uh, overly attached parent in the neighborhood who's trying to make the rest of us feel like that's the right way to do it. Now, also remember, though, everybody's child's different, right? You may also have had mature children that were more able, more willing, more ready, more even younger to be able to detach. But, oh, no, I think you're nailing it. I think you're right on it. I'm just cold-hearted. No, but but honestly, you know what? Honestly, though, a little cold-hearted isn't bad either because it might make some of this a little easier to do for some of us. So I wouldn't, I don't, you know how I would look at it is, are your kids adapting? Are they growing? Do you see the fruits coming from what they're doing? Because if you see them soaring, then guess what? You nailed it. But I do have friends that, you know, still pay their children's bills and their, their kids are like my oldest son's age. Yeah. So what is that? It's called a helicopter parent. That's right. That's enabling. Because. I actually, my oldest son graduated and got a job, his first job, and I was still paying a cell phone bill just, I think, out of laziness. You know, yeah. just didn't, hadn't done anything about it. And I was, one morning on my local news station, this psychologist comes on and she's like, are you a helicopter parent? <laughs> and I'm just ironing, kind of, and then she describes it. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. I'm a helicopter parent. I'm still paying the Verizon bill. So yeah. I marched to my office. I scan the bill to my son and his wife and say, Here, here's your phone bill, and it's due on this day, and you need to pay it. And let me tell you, my cell phone rang within five minutes. 
I think I honestly think I think in the end they'll thank you for it. And yeah, I, I think I think if you look at the fruits, what's happening because of your decisions and your choices, I think you're not a tyrant. You're not you know abandoning them. That's one of the things Dr. Picard talked a lot about is. We don't want to abandon them. We have to grow them into this process. I think you might just have more strong-willed, you know, maybe more mature, maybe more independent-minded children anyway. Yeah. And, and, that, yeah. and I honestly believe that's because you are. So you might feel uh, cold-hearted. Yeah, I am. Yeah, but it's not. I don't, I don't think it's cold-hearted. I think, it's, I think you're phenomenal. I, I really wish. I just want to be normal. <laughs> you, well, but there's no normal. That's what's messed yeah, up about this. Normal isn't your friend and normal isn't you because my child may not do well under you or your children wouldn't do well under me, but they're doing great under you. So I think, well, honestly, you're, I think you're, you're fine. You Don't even worry about it. Seriously. Did your, call, did your gentleman that answered the phone, did he tell you my other story I told him? Yeah, and you know what? I would love to get into that right now, except we have another caller. Well, I, I don't. I don't really want to. Okay. I just wanted to make sure he told you. Okay, I no, he totally would did. Start crying and no, I like really. That. I was like right about to go there until we had another caller, and honestly, that's how I know you're a good mom. So you, you again, we're talking behind everyone's back in front of them on the radio. But here's. Yeah. But you're strong. You're awesome. Don't even worry about it. Seriously, Christine. Hey, we love your show. Okay. and keep it up. Thank we you. Keep listening. And keep calling in. We appreciate it. Let's go to Bonnie and Sandy. Bonnie has a call for us as well. Bonnie, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. How are you, Bonnie? What's your question? Good. Well, I, I was just had a comment, actually. Yeah. I, I also find it kind of freakish when people are like, oh, my gosh, I, I can't believe my son's going to. I don't <laughs> think I want him to go to South America. I'm like, where would you rather yeah. have him go yeah. do drugs on the street? Yeah, what do you want? Why do you not want your kid to go on a mission? That's but, right. Um, but my my comment to, and I say this to my kids all the time, is like, I love you so much, but I, how can I miss you if you don't leave, you know? That's I, right. <laughs> well, and how do, you, how do they go and have what you have? How do they go and have an experience where they have their own kids and their own grandkids if you don't? You almost have to just love them enough to let them go, don't you? You have to love them enough to, yeah. to give them the chance to... And I guess, again, make sure they don't hurt themselves emotionally, socially, yeah. spiritually, financially. Um, but uh, isn't it funny? So so much of this is relative, right? Like, yeah, I, I don't want them to yeah. go to South America. Well, I also don't want them to not go to college. I, I mean, in the end, we just got to let them go. It's so – but yeah. we, we have this ownership kind of feeling, don't we? Where are we yeah. – we've got too much invested. I, you know what? I do actually have a question. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's just like sort of a philosophy type question, or not philosophy, but sort of like a, a policy type question. Uh-huh. Um, I'm divorced and remarried to somebody wonderful, but my um, my kids, none of them have chosen to go on missions. They've gone on different paths. So I would love it if some, one of my kids yeah, did, of course. But, that'd be great. Um, but I, my parents pretty much, they... They helped out a little bit with college tuition and and with living expenses the first year. And after that, you know, they would say, well, we'll pay, we'll, we'll help you with tuition. And then, you know, you got to take care of yourself after that. And, I, and it was actually, I think, really healthy yeah. and great. And once I tasted independence, I never wanted to bum off my parents ever again. And, however, my ex-husband doesn't have quite the same philosophy. philosophy. 
So I, what I've done is I just I told my kids and my ex-husband, here's what I will do. I will pay for half of tuition, half of room and board first year. Yeah. After that, I'll pay half tuition. And then, and that's what I'm doing for you. I love it. If I can give more, maybe I will, you know, if I can. And I have done plenty more for for my first couple kids. I still have just one at home. But my ex-husband feels differently. He feels like I should be doing more. He feels like I should, um, you know, do what he thinks ought right. to be done. Well, that, you know what? That he, you should just pay for the whole thing and no one should get a job. And, yeah. Hey, Bonnie, uh, that's why you divorced yeah. him. <laughs> Done. Right. Done. Yeah, that's right. That's, get off my I, back. I guess I just have, I have this, um, I, I wonder, should I stick to my guns yes. or not? You know, because I, I, would. I got the impression when my first child went to college, she said to me, dad says that if you don't, you know, fill in the blank here. Right. Then, then um, he's not going to do. He's not going to do this. So he was making his contribution conditional yeah. upon what yeah. he wanted me to do. And I, I just had to reiterate many times. You know what? I love you so much. This is what I'm going to do. And and this is between you and me. And right. I don't. Whatever your dad does, I don't care. I will always keep my commitment to you. That's, and I'm sorry that your dad doesn't feel that way. That's but, the spirit. Yeah. That's the spirit. Um, because I think in the end, Bonnie, that's that's the way you do it. This isn't between your husband and you anymore. And you can do what you want for your daughter. She's now an adult. She's you know over 18. She's a big girl now. So let her negotiate with her dad. It's not between you guys. I personally believe... He's still just playing yet. Yeah, he's still that's just what happens. We're we're in these patterns of fighting. And once your child is in college, they're 18. So they're adults. So now we're no longer in the parenting schema and plans that we created in the courts. Now we can simply just have relationships. So I don't I think you're doing great, Bonnie. I really do. And if you have the money to take care of it, I'd go negotiate a deal with your kids. I'd also make sure you're demanding some responsibility, some results in what they're doing. I wouldn't just let them give them money to go to college. I'd say I want to see some progress. I want to see I want to see that you're excited about what you're doing, that you're loving what you're doing and you're doing it well. Then then it's kind of a balance. Then now you have a win-win when you do it that way. Well done, Bonnie. Good parenting. We're going to take a break, folks, and uh, when we come back, uh, BYU professor Heather Johnson is going to be joining us. She's going to keep teaching us more parenting skills, more tools to help you grow healthy, happy teenagers. Up next on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about teenagers and uh, raising teenagers without, uh, you know, losing it. Raising teenagers also that are healthy, that are productive, that will launch, for heaven's sakes. And there's no easy way to do it because everyone's coming at this from, from a different perspective. But we'd like to bring in the experts today. We have one of our great contributors, Heather Johnson's joining us today. Heather has a master's degree from uh, Brigham Young University. She's an adjunct faculty member for the last 12 years. She started teaching when she was 12 years old at Brigham Young. <laughs> She's 24 years old Just total. barely 12. You look great. <laughs> You're Thanks. holding together so well. Thanks. 
Uh, she also is the producer and the director of Listen to Your Mother show in Utah, northern Utah. That's a show that's in all these different cities nationwide, and she runs the Utah division of that. She started a website you got to go check out, familyvolley.com, which is kind of where she combined her passions about family and um, – and all of these ideas about how families can be healthier, how they can you know, play together to be stronger and healthier. In 2011, she self-published a book, Family Fun Fridays, which is a compilation of the very best games and activities for families, which I have tried a few of them and actually pulled my hamstrings <laughs> while I was doing that. So, but every, your results are not—they're not typical. Yeah, but my disclaimer. results are, are not <laughs> typical results. There you go. Most people don't pull a hammy right. when they do your activities. That's exactly right. Most people don't pull anything. What, what are you saying? I, that your results are not typical. <laughs> my hammies. Are you saying that my hamstrings are not typical hamstrings? No. They maybe they need a little more family fun. Do you know what you've done to me, Heather? What you've made me want to get healthier. Okay. Because. Um, I think I just had a bad day when I did your games. I, I, what it is is I went on a television show, a local television show here in Utah. Heather was was in charge of the segment, and they asked me to do part of the segment, and that's where I pulled my hammies. Right. And right then I realized I'm in bad shape. Okay. So since then I've been trying to get in better shape, but since then I've been trying to drink a lot more water. And since I've been drinking a lot more water, I found myself going to the restroom, I don't know, about every seven minutes. It's pretty much how it works. I told you, my husband's tried the same thing, and he lasts about a day and then yeah. gives it up because yeah. all those trips, it's yeah. just not worth it to him. My body's better dehydrated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it shuts down. So it moves slower. It's, it saves you a lot of trips. Teach us, Heather, about uh, parenting teenagers because um, you have five children. Five kids. Yep. And uh, I don't want to one-up you, but I have six. You win. Bing. <laughs> But it's teenagers are are hard. So you've got some tips for all of us out there uh, that have that have the opportunity, the blessing to deal with a teenager. Right. Well, and we are just hitting those teenagers. We our oldest is our son, and he just turned twelve two weeks ago. So we're not. A, he's not officially a teenager, but he's close enough. We're already feeling all those effects. Those oh yeah. People talk yeah. about it's it's there, and it, totally. It's really been there for about two years. It's not like they turn thirteen and immediately we get hit with these new things. It's it's just happening. So the first tip that's so important that you've already covered today, but we want to really hit home is that we're constantly saying, did you survive those teenage years? Did you survive the adolescence? We got to stop thinking we're going to survive it and thrive through those years. It's not like the death march. It isn't. And you know, to be honest, most teens are awesome. Exactly. They, in fact, all of them are. Exactly. But they're just. We expect that thirteen means they're going to be a monster and horrible. And we got to stop those stereotypes. I totally agree. And like we were talking about uh, with Doctor Picard, it's it really is a cool time. It is absolutely. And it's it's really. And I actually found other time other stages harder for me than that like one. a diaper stage. <laughs> that was harder. That, that is a hard time. Is that yeah, hard? Is that hard, hard for time. everyone? I think so, a little bit. I thought it was just because I was—I have a very sensitive olfactory system. That contributes to. I think lots of 
husbands, men yeah. do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's just a male trait. Kind of affect them. Uh-huh. But this is this is such a great time. I mean, how wonderful to think that we have kids that we're able to parent who are growing and developing their own identity right in front right. of our eyes. Exactly. So let's thrive. We mm-hmm. got to get rid of those stereotypes. Plus, whatever we kind of think and feel and do, that is actually what's going to come about in front of us. So if we're giving our kids the impression that we're just trying to, you know, survive these next six yeah. years. That's what we're going to get, little exactly. monsters. So right. we don't want that. No, yeah, you're going to reflect that on them, and then they're going to have to deliver. Right. It's <laughs> exactly right. What are some more principles? So the next one is to love them from the inside out. This is one of my favorite principles when it comes to relationships in general. What happens is, as people in relationships, we respond primarily to how people feel about us on the inside, not from their behavior. We hmm. don't respond to their behavior. A good example of this would be going back to high school. Remember, girls do this worse than boys, I think. Remember the girls or the guys who pretended to be nice to our face, but we knew full well inside they didn't like us. Yeah, we they it, weren't there right? for us. It didn't matter how they behaved. They could be really nice in the hallway or really kind or pretend. But we knew on the inside that they didn't like us so much. That's what we respond to. And our kids are the exact same way. Hmm. When they hit these teenage years, if they think that we feel they're irresponsible and we're disappointed in them and we're surviving and this is you know, a chore for us, that's what they're going to respond to. So we've got to genuinely see them and love them from the inside and then they'll respond with that positive behavior. And maybe that's the hard thing because you also have to get to know them on the inside. You know, We might only know them you know, as a player, as a piano player. Or, sure. I mean we have these little – you know categories we put them into but you got to know their heart you got to know their fears their insecurities absolutely that's powerful and love them that way if they know that inside we genuinely love them despite like you've been talking about already today their decisions or Mm -hmm. their choices or if the grade is an a or a d despite all of that that is what they will respond to and that's what we want them to do we want to make sure that that happens that that love is above all other things so the next one is what i call the golden rule of raising teenagers the golden rule is communication. Feed them. Oh, Feed them. okay. That helps. Yeah, communication is good too. Feed them first and then they'll communicate. Yeah, that's with, right. With full stomachs. We have to keep those lines of communication open. Which now, is hard because these they're not always coming out with info. They're not. They're not there all the time to talk. So we've discussed before, you know, together on your show, the importance of being at the crossroads, yeah. which is when they're coming and going. But there are two key times when teenagers love to talk. They love to talk in the car. Oh, yeah. It's very non-threatening. I know the other. Church. The other. <laughs> they loved it. Right in the middle of church. <laughs> right in the middle of church. I can't get my kids to shut up. <laughs> That's funny. Six-year-olds like to exactly. talk in church, too. So do yeah. 16-year-olds. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, those sixes. But they they really are okay talking in the car. Maybe some music in the mm-hmm. background. Lots of distractions yeah. out the windows. Also, you don't have to be looking at one another. Which really, even in marriage, you know, that yeah. whole sit down and stare at one another, that's yucky that's sometimes. That's creepy. It is. It is kind of creepy. So look for opportunities to be with them when you can be in the car and you can have that non-threatening conversation. The other place that they love to talk is right before they go to sleep. Oh, yeah. They kind of let their guard down a uh-huh. little bit. They're really tired. You know, they're full. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long day. They're ready. To, and we find that they start to kind of spill their guts a little bit yeah. and they'll talk a little bit more. So in those two places, we want to be available. We want to be, be present. There. We want to be present because they're not necessarily going to come get us and say, Mom, today I want to communicate. Instead, we need to be where they're at so that when they're ready to communicate, we're there to listen. Yeah. We're that, there to that's listen. That's it. And don't you think that's kind of parenting? That's a great parenting skill is to kind of know when's the, when is the right 
time. Right, right. And it will be different for every child. Mm -hmm. I even think of our kids who obviously, like I said, they're still young, but they communicate in such different ways. You know, our daughter, she gets home from school and she's already telling me she opens the door every single thing that happened all day. Oh, yeah. Right there. I ask our son, how was school? Good. What'd you do? Uh, How was good? Nothing. No. I know with him, though, that if I give him about 24 hours, then he wants to just spill his guts. That's it. And, and you, and you, when he's spilling, you got to be ready. I got to be there. I got to be there, ready to so listen. So it's not about your timing. No. If you want your kids talk, it's really about their timing. Right. And really, that's the key to communication here too. It's also not about delivering our message all the time. It's about sitting back and just simply listening. Mm. There'll be plenty of time for us to talk. When they're ready, just listen. Just oh, listen I love that. And another great place to communicate that is often overlooked is when we're involved in common activities. If you're struggling to communicate with your teen, find something that you like to do together and go share it. Yeah. If you both like to rock climb, go do it. Does he like to rock climb and you don't? Go learn it and learn to love it yeah. with him. Do whatever is common amongst you and you will find that when you're bonding over those experiences and those activities, especially if you can get outside. Yeah. Communication starts to happen. And what's cool, again, I guess it's so interesting, is common may not be inherently naturally common to you. Like my daughter would play with Barbies, and that was not a common thing for me. Oh, it wasn't? Really? No. Oh, I mean, I would on. play with other dolls, but not – like I had a Ken doll. <laughs> sure. And no, no, I had a, ra- a G.I. Joe doll, and you could rub his head off – his hair off, by the way. But those are the days when you could you know, give him a little crew cut. But um, <clears throat> what's interesting, though, is I would kind of – just do what she wanted to do and make it my interest and I could elevate it because she was important to me. So it works. Absolutely. And come together over that commonality, whatever it might be. It can be anything. And it's going to be there. You're not Martians from different planets or are you? (laughs) Uh, We're talking with Heather Johnson. She is an adjunct faculty member here at Brigham Young University and is one of the contributors here on the Matt Townsend show. She's teaching us, you know, the tricks of the trade, how to, uh, how to work with your teenagers, to love them, to care for them. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got some callers as well that have a comment or two they want to throw in. We'll be talking to Larry from Scottsdale, Arizona. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. We're going to continue our journey to find the good in life right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're just having a little light conversation about my uh, mango beverage. What? Can a guy not have a little Capri Sun? What do we call that? Not Capri Sun. Light. Uh, Crystal, Crystal light. light. Crystal Light. Yeah. yeah. Crystal, Crystal light. light. Anyway, uh, welcome to the program, everybody. Again, we're continuing our discussion on teenagers, raising healthy teenagers. Heather Johnson's with us who's an adjunct faculty member. But on the phone, we have a caller. One of our listeners called in from uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. Larry, are you there, my friend? I'm there. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Oh, thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure. You bet. What's, uh, what, what's on your mind? Well, first of all, I love what your, your guest expert there had to say about teenagers. Um, and I missed her name. I was calling in Heather. Uh, at the time. So, Heather, I, I really love that about uh, teenagers are good. They're fun. 
You got to love them. Yeah, you you really do. I've got a 17-year-old girl, a 14-year-old boy, and I've got identical twins that are 10. Wow. And we're so far, our 17-year-old daughter has been our experiment with this whole parenting (laughs) thing. Yeah. And as she's working her way through high school, she's done, done really well in school. And she's preparing to go to college. So she just started her senior year. Where we differ sometimes with other parents in parenting style uh, revolves around uh, should you have a job in high school? Should mm-hmm. you pay for college? And all of those things I'm finding as you discuss those things with other parents, which I don't do a lot of, honestly, because... Every kid is different. Yeah, exactly. And, and you have to treat, even with our, within our own family, sometimes we can't parent the same way. But it is, it is nice to hear other people's opinions sometimes. And yeah. a lot of those get, it, it becomes kind of a hot topic when you say, well, my daughter's in high school. She doesn't have a job. Um, but here's, here's what we tell her. School is your job. Oh, I love that. Right now. Yeah. So, so you have these privileges that you have because you're doing well in school. So as long as you're bringing home the straight A's, you're getting your homework done, that time that you are using that you would otherwise be putting in at an employer, you're coming home and doing your homework. And she's done that from day one. This is a kid that my wife and I kind of laugh at because she comes straight home from school. She goes straight to her room. She knocks out all of her homework, hmm. and it and it's done. Now, now she's a smart kid. I mean, we all we all think our kids are the yeah. smartest, but honestly, she's the kid that has has to work hard to get the good grades. We all had those roommates in college yeah. where that you was know, easy. You, you're you're busting your behind to get a good grade, and they're out playing tennis all day, and they're still pulling an A. Exactly. Um, she's not that kid. But uh, that said. That's working for us because she comes home and she gets it done. She's getting good grades, and we're telling her, okay, you want to get into a school that's very difficult to get into. She wants to go to BYU. Oh, yeah. It's hard to get um, into. It's hard to get into. And even we're seeing kids with even even straight A's, uh, maybe they have a lower ACT score that are not getting in. So yep. we're telling her, that's your job to focus. No, I no. think that's that. I think that is a great because it's also holding up the importance of education, and you're learning the same principles as you would be learning in other places as well. I mean, you're learning work, you're learning how to think, you're learning how to process. Well, and we've always thought that that work is not necessarily trying a paycheck. My right. my wife is very educated. She but but she she does not draw a paycheck. Mm-hmm. We're fortunate enough that she can stay home with the kids. Um, she had a great job before we have had kids, and she's she's chosen to stay home. But she's very educated. We want to continue that with our daughter and let her know that your self esteem doesn't revolve around a paycheck necessarily. No, that's right. Okay, so so now as she continues into college, the other hot topic with other parents is, well, are you going to pay for her college? Well, mm-hmm. I think personally that there again, as long as you're performing. Yeah, and you're not you're not out playing, and we're getting a report card that that has the grades that we expect. Then that there again is your job, and we will pay for it. And that's the biggest gift that I think we can give our kids because we can do it. Now I realize not everybody else can do not that. Sure, can do that, and and that's fine. 
but I feel blessed that we're in a position that we can as long as she's performing and she knows that, hey, once you graduate, we've given you that gift and, yeah. and that's it. You need to you need to make your own way. I, I love it. And I think, Larry, that one of the keys to that that seems so powerful is you're 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 having the conversation, as Heather was saying earlier. You're you're talking but you're also creating the negotiation and the deal. And the deal is – and to me, this sets her up for life because these are the skills to be able to go get results and we're going to make a negotiation with our future employer. We're going to, we're going to always be using these skills. And um, one of the payoffs is education. If not, we understand there's other ways to go spend your life and go, you can go get a job. And you know, Because if you're not in school, you're going to need money. <laughs> If, I mean, even if you are in school, you're going to need money. But if you're not in school, you're going to have time and the ability to go make money. So that'll that'll come to you. Larry, so appreciate the call. And uh, keep listening to us down there in Scottsdale. And, and keep up the good work with your kids. And those twins, they're, they're, uh, they're waiting. They're looming for you, waiting for you to, to raise them to teenagerhood. Uh, Heather, what would you say to old uh, Larry there? Not saying that Larry's old, but what, what advice would you give Larry – and, and how do you feel about, you know, paying for graduation I, or school? You know, I think it's fantastic. I think the the greatest thing we can draw from that, too, that Larry's taught us is that it sounds like he and his wife are really in tune with what is best for their teenagers. Uh-huh. And that's really something that we all need to take a step back and evaluate. You know, we can read books and we can we can take all of these things and we've got to take them all and then look at our own child and say, how does this apply and where and then mesh with who they really are exactly. and what's best for them. They're all going to be different. And, you know, maybe his 17-year-old daughter is, is on this path and maybe those two twins coming up need a different path. And yeah. he acknowledged that. And maybe that. one of them may maybe doesn't want to go to college. Sure. Maybe he wants to get right into a career. Sure. And what a what a great thing he's, you know, shown us as he's raising those teenagers in Scottsdale to see that he really is very mindful yeah. of the differences. That's, that's the and power. And that's great. Don't you think? To be mindful of that. What are some more tools? Again, Heather Johnson is an f- adjunct faculty member here at Brigham Young. She spends every week, she's teaching parenting skills, Mm -hmm. life skills. Uh, What else do we need to know as we're raising our teenagers? Well, you know, we always hear that kids work on it or teenagers work kind of in a different time zone than we do. Oh, yeah. They do. And we need to understand that. There really is kind of a teenage time zone Uh and then a parent time zone. Don't you think it's really a hemisphere thing? It it kind of is. It's less time zoning. It's more (laughs) hemisphere. It's all encompassing, right? (laughs) And the funny thing is when we – for example, we ask a teenager to do something and we hear, okay, in a minute or, yeah, I'll get to it or three hours go by. And it's very easy for us to get really upset with that. Right? right? Because they're working in this different totally. hemisphere of times. Oh, yeah. Instead, we need to take a step back and go, you said yes? Wait, you said you do. That's fantastic. You said you'd do it. That's what we should be focusing on. That's great. Not that it's going to take right. an hour or that he might not take out the trash until later tonight. The fact is he said, yeah, mom, I will in just a bit. Yeah. Take the yes and go right on your way. Well, and – Hold them accountable. Absolutely. And then, and then go back to that like, honey, you said yes. Right, right. And Why would you say yes if you weren't going to If you weren't going to do it. And the thing is, if we take that step back and focus more on the fact that in their own time zone, they're going to get to what we've mm-hmm. asked. Instead of you're on my time zone, yeah. do it when now, I say. Now. Right. They're much more likely to do it. They chose so it. They committed to it. Don't you think, too, you have to make sure you have their attention? We do. Right. Because I say yes contact. all the time. And then <laughs> later, I don't know, I've got like a $400 bill on Amazon. Yeah, you don't even – there you go. Yeah. You don't even know what happened. The other thing is parents when we're talking about kind of this time zone and these differences is that we really do set ourselves up to fail. You know, we're the ones knowing full well that our teenagers work a little bit differently that go up and expect it in two seconds. That's right. We know full well that that's not 
where they're at in their lives right then. So instead of setting the relationship up for that contention, think ahead. You know, if you want the trash or the lawn mowed or whatever it might be, you know, ask them the day before. Hey, tomorrow, do you think you could get to this? Yes. And then take the yes and run with it. That's right. So, you know, we set ourselves up for those things. Another thing that I absolutely love, and I learned this in graduate school. One of our professors, we were talking about, you know, teenagers and raising them. And he said, the key to this time is to remember that it's time to be a consultant, not a manager. Uh, So let's think about this for a minute. That's huge. Up to this point in our children's lives, we have been their managers. We manage every last detail of their lives, what they'll eat, when they sleep, what they'll wear, everything. Mm All of a sudden, they hit teenagers and they fire us. They they look at us as managers and say, "You're fired. You're fired. Right? I don't want a manager That's anymore. Right. I need to spread my wings and fly." So it's time for us to let ourselves be fired and instead become their consultant. What if they don't recognize they need to fire you, <laughs> but they like you to manage them? To manage them, because I see that with my sure. own kids. They even today they're all getting ready for school, and we're still pretty much managing. Everything. You're not going to put gel in your hair? <laughs> it's the first you day of school. You weren't going to brush your teeth? Yeah. Maybe, maybe brush those. Right. Oh, you brushed them last right. week? Okay. <laughs> You're good. And that's where then we have to fire ourselves, yeah. right, and say it's time for us to consult. Now, here's the thing. Once we get fired, we tend to do two things. We either decide that we're going to abandon them, which isn't right. We say, Mm-mm. you don't want my help? Fine. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. Good luck with that. You Hope know, you don't know get squished. That's exactly right. Or we become really, really controlling. Neither one are good. We don't want to take either of those routes. Instead, think about what a consultant does. A consultant shares their expertise and their experiences with someone else so that they can solve problems and accomplish goals. That's great. Well, isn't that isn't that's, that what we are as parents that's what we to teenagers? Be. Especially right? if we're trying to create independence. Absolutely, we want to share our expertise and our knowledge to help those teenagers accomplish their own goals and become their own person, uh-huh. so they can fly on their own. One is a consultant because I I are one because you is one. Um, yeah. I I actually like them owning their own decisions because then it's not about me, right? exactly right. And usually, interestingly, they my clients already know what they need to do. They just don't know how to get to that. Right. And you consult to help uh-huh. them figure it out and on I their own. And I always make sure they know that this is their idea. Right. And this is their plan. And then I bill them like crazy. <laughs> they've, they've come to their own conclusions. Are we allowed to bill our teenager? You know what? I, I'm sure there will be payback somewhere. Yeah, that's true. It Grandchildren. Comes to us. Yeah, it comes to us. Okay, other things we can do that really help during this time. We can't get lost in the consequences. Mm. As parents with teenagers, we're very quick to say, you did this wrong and here's your consequence. Mm-hmm. we got to let a little of that go. Here's kind of how it works to help us a little bit. We want there to be consequences. They should know beforehand what they're going to be, obviously. Right. But those consequences need to fit the crime. That being said, consequences work better when we have our children or our teenagers do something opposed to taking something away. Yeah. I, I, I tend to – if you don't set it up right, you end up taking it away. Right. And this is tricky because usually it's you did something wrong, give me your cell phone. Mm-hmm. You did something wrong, no car. Instead of doing that, have their consequence be something they have to do instead of something that you retract from them. Oh, interesting. And it's it's going to help a lot when we work with our teenagers. Now, the other thing, and this is follow-up, and as parents, we don't always take the time to do this, but it's the most powerful way we can help with consequences and making right choices. For example, maybe a teenager misses curfew and comes home late. Mm -hmm. Once the consequence is in place, maybe they had to mow the lawn or whatever it is they had to do, we want to sit down with them and we want to look and say – Hey, you know, Jimmy, was there any part of you that thought 
maybe you should have called us last night when you were going to be late. Or, hey, you know, was there any part of you that thought maybe you should have left earlier so you got home on time? And you're not doing that in a snarky way. No, no. I'm noticing. No, no. You're <laughs> no. like, you're just actually no. positing you're, the question. <laughs> you're genuinely yeah. asking them if there was. They will say yes. They'll say, you know, actually there was. And ask them why they didn't act on it. And they'll come up with something, whatever. It, it might be genuine. It yeah. might be made I up. was embarrassed. We were in the knows? middle of a game. Right. Something. But as soon as they do very confidently say, you know what? What is it that stopped you from listening to yourself? You know what's right. Yeah. And, and you know what you needed to do. What was it in that moment that stopped you from trusting your own decisions and thoughts? And now, like you mentioned, we're back to ownership. I love that They're question. discovering their own mm-hmm. you know, ideas and, and functionalities and everything they need to do. Their inner compass is working. Right. What would, what would make you not listen to your compass? Right. And we didn't tell them. We didn't say, you right. had a curfew at 12. Why didn't you listen to me? We said, wait a second. You are smart and intelligent. That's and great. What is it that kept you from not listening to yourself? That will change everything for them. That will change everything. Yeah, I think that's great. So we teach them you know, to trust themselves. Then when that's said, move on. Forget the consequence. Forget the lecture. Yeah. Move right on down the line. You know, go eat dinner. Whatever. But I, I should send them to their room. <laughs> and add another consequence. Why do I just keep thinking, go to your room? Because <laughs> then they're not in front of you. <laughs> that's exactly and it. Then, it's my guilt. Then I don't, you don't have, have to, to worry stew. If, right, if you did it right or wrong. So that's, that's a really great. powerful way. Those what do you call that? Yeah, Listening know, to your heart, whatever. Sure. I mean, pointing out, I mean, their heart should be, then you're teaching them to be independent in their own compass, in their right. own self-guide. Right. So it's a lot bigger, right? Because now we're still empowering them to, to go on their own. To, That's to, good thinking. So I just always try to think in my head, don't, you know, Heather, don't get lost in the consequences. It's not about those consequences. That's just kind of what we have to do to, right. to teach them where they need right. to go. So, so don't get lost in those. Uh, a couple other things. You know, kids are going to reject us. They what? really are. They, teenagers? Oh, yeah. Have you felt it oh. happened? Are you okay. kidding? You know, you know that when you pull up. And they like look away. Right. They don't. I don't know him. That's why when I pull up, I like to make sure they know I'm there. Honking. Honking, waving. Cans behind the car. Britain, come here, bud. (laughs) So there's going to be a sense of rejection. You know, we might even hear an I hate you or I don't. It's going to happen to varying degrees depending on, you know, our household. When this happens, we've got to know how to handle it. What happens is we tend to do two things. The first thing we tend to do is be defensive. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? I? You hate me? I hate you. That's exactly right. The second thing we tend to do is we immediately want to remind our teenager of all the ways we're a great parent. Yeah. What? I, I'm not overprotective. I love you. And I took you here. And I do this with you. And I, I brought you into this world. They don't care about either of those things. You know what? I like to show my kids the video of when they were born. Yeah. <laughs> That does it every it's time. It's graphic, but you know what? It shocks them back. Do you know that brought noise from everywhere in this very totally, quiet room? It totally, it's that just, was worrisome. But you know what it is, though, is it's like, yeah, see, I'll show you that video anytime you mess up. <laughs> so don't, don't mess up. So here's the thing. When they reject us, when they push away like that, instead of reminding them how great we are and denying that we could have done something wrong – we need to be empathetic. We need mm. to be empathic with them right away. You know what? We have different ways of seeing things. There are two separate realities here. And heaven forbid, but we could have made a mistake. Oh, yeah. We could do things wrong. We can as parents. It's happened. It, it does happen. And so we want to make sure that we accept that. Instead of denying it, we want to say, hey, you know what? I don't mean to be impatient, but I can be. 
tell me where I went wrong. Really acknowledge the fact that they have their own reality. They see things a certain way. Accept that and own it. Mm-hmm. Right? We want them to own Which it. Which is the skill. Yeah. You're just teaching them it's, how to be when you give them right. feedback. We're just mirroring that. So we, we need to know how to handle rejection. That's a really good one. Heather, you're you're really good. Oh, the teenagers. This is a good one. Have teenagers at home is a it's a great time. It's fun. I call them gifts from heaven. They are they are gifts from. Heaven. And then I finish the line, but I'm not going to use the rest of the line. <laughs> they are gifts from heaven, and I appreciate you reinforcing that they're gifts from heaven. They're great. They are great. Yep. And we want them around, and we want them to be healthy and happy and launch. We're going to take a break. Heather, are you going to stick around with us? Yep, I'll be here. We're wrapping up the show. We're going to be talking about, we're going to, Alyssa's going to, I don't know if it's a game, a little discussion about would you rather. It's one of my favorite things to play with my kids. Would you rather bite a cow on the ear or lick a donkey on the nose? Cow ear. Really? Yep. Fun game. We'll have more when we come back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. There's the hoedown music. Is that the hoedown music? It That's sounds, the hoedown music. It sounds different no, in my great. new headphones. It sounds more bassy. There it is. There it is. Okay. Welcome back, folks. We're wrapping up the show today, and uh, what better way to do that than uh, the game Would You Rather? Teen style. They call them troubled teens supposedly for a reason, but you've heard the game Would You Rather? We're taking a new spin on that game by asking Would You Rather questions about uh, types of teens you'd rather parent. Oh. Ooh, so that's hard. That is hard. I kind of liked the lick the donkey nose or bite the cow ear. You know, take that home. Put that in your book. <laughs> Heather Johnson. It's there, actually. Heather Johnson's joining us. She's uh, Her website's familyvolley.com. She's also written the book, which is the ultimate guide to Friday fun. Family fun. Family yep. f- Friday family fun. Perfect. Games for families. Anything you need. By the way, try the would you rather game. It's in there. I do it with my kids all day long. You do. like, Dad, would you rather just not play the game? <laughs> Which I find rude. Okay, Alyssa, <laughs> what are we going to do? Okay, so I have the first would you rather question okay. for you guys. Yes. Um, would you rather deal with a teen who refuses to work? So, you know, any type of household chores, yeah. that kind of thing. Or who is constantly on their phone and won't respond to you? <laughs> yeah. Are they working while they're not responding to you? Yeah. Do they work with the phone on their ear? Yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll work. I take the one. I don't care. <laughs> don't talk to me. Just work. I would rather have the one that, that isn't working. Really? I think Why? I would. Look at you. It's because you're a, you're a teen whisperer. I'm not <laughs> teen whisperer. There you go. I'm not sure I know why. I think that's a battle I'd rather you, fight. That's a battle you could handle. Yes. I could handle the phone one because I can go in and turn it off. Sure. Or, or disconnect or take it uh-huh. away. Right. Yeah. Right. Or but hide it. I'd worry about their disconnect. I I think I'd feel more comfortable with the work. Wow. Yeah. I'd you're, rather. That's the one I want, Alyssa. You're a good parent. That's a good one. 
Okay. Just because we choose it doesn't mean we really have to have it, right? No, yeah. we don't have yeah. to have these, right? Perfect. It was hard coming up with these. I don't like thinking well, about the bad side of teens, you guys. You don't have well, good. You don't have a teenager. If you ever, if you ever <laughs> I am do this, a teenager, next time still. if you do it again, call me. I've got a million examples. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, Alyssa, you are, you a, are teenager. a teenager. I know, I am. Wow. <laughs> Maybe that's why I don't like to focus on the bad guys. Okay, You're talking good. about me. That's good. Give, it, give us another one. <laughs> okay, so this one's kind of strange, but I came up with it myself, you guys. Well, there you have it. <laughs> Would you rather wake up a teen every day of high school? And I know a personal friend who this is this is what her parents did. Every day of high school, all four years. Or would you rather pay their way through college when they probably won't attend their classes when you're not waking them up? Mm. I'd rather wake them up. I would too. I'd rather wake him up through high school. You know, it's so. I, my son, he's a musician, and he has a keyboard in his uh, room. And I go in and I just play a set piece. I don't play the, I but I turn on like right. some polka song. <laughs> polka and, with the polka organ, song. and it gets him so mad. But he's up instantly, and when he's there up, I'm like, it's "See how up you're up," and we carry him out. We just guide him away. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, I'd rather wake him up. I okay. would too. That's a okay. consensus. Plus, I think so too. It's good to be up with your kids in the morning. I mean, that you want it. them to wake themselves up, but yeah. there's a lot of power in sending your kids out the door and them knowing you were there to to high five them. Yeah, to say you can do it today. Go, yeah. go get them. Plus, they need your wallet. <laughs> and with the ice bucket challenge happening these days, you can kill two birds with one stone. You could there throw you ice. Ooh, there you go. You're going to be the best. Every morning, I know. my kids are going to love me. Every morning, <laughs> they, they're going to have to. They'll have to have plastic sheets, but they are going to love. Yeah, you. I was going to say because your wife's not going to like you very much. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Give us another one, Alyssa. Okay, would you rather deal with a teen who's constantly lying about where they're going, or a teen who is cheating on all of their school work? The assignments, the quizzes, the tests, and they don't think anything's wrong. Ah. Yeah, this is tough. So those, so those are two troubled teens. <laughs> they are right, both. right. Why would one lie and why would one cheat? They've got deeper issues. They're both right. lying. They I both guess. have a lot. Of, but I just send them away to camp. <laughs> you grandma. just can't let rid someone of them. else fix them. <laughs> yeah, camp grandma. Oh, let grandma work them over once or twice. Well, that's a great. Uh, I don't know. That's a hard one. You got one. You, you have to na- commit. Someone needs to commit. I'll commit. I'm going to take the cheater. Okay. Why? Because cheaters never win. <laughs> so she'd automatically win. Why? Why would you do that? I don't know. Yeah. Because they're not. They're lying, but it's not full blown, blatant to my face yet. Lying. You yeah. know, the cheating is really just focused on the school. There's they're not probably, cheating on you. <laughs> there's probably my first thought would be an issue such as maybe it's too hard for them or they're distracted yeah. in some way or they'd rather be somewhere else. Those seem a little bit easier to tackle than the fact that they're lying through every aspect of their life. Yeah. So yeah. I take the I like cheater. That. I, I, I would go there too. She convinces us. I would actually just, way. I would send my <laughs> cheater off to Heather. <laughs> Let Heather take care of him. Heather, well done, my friend. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. It's awesome to have you. Go to familyvolley.com so you can get more information about Heather. And again, thanks for joining us, folks. Remember, with the program, our goal is to give you a leg up to help you find the good in life. Remember, teens are good. And remember also, quote by Charlie Kaufman, constantly talking isn't necessarily communicating It's not. Tomorrow we'll be talking with BYU professor John Livingstone, and we'll be discussing how to handle anger. So if you know somebody that's got a little anger issue, make sure they're listening tomorrow. Again, excited to talk to you tomorrow. We'll be back right here on BYU Radio.